0: Now, for some of you, maybe an announcement that Thanksgiving's coming up this week. <laughs> okay? Hopefully that's not an announcement, but someone came up to me first service and said, I forgot about that. <laughs> like, well, it was kind of a big deal, especially for your family, so it would be a good thing to remember that um, I like it in my own life because for me, it's always created this like, uh, it's part of a cycle of reflection for me this natural and spiritual pause. Remember we talked a few weeks ago about about hitting the pause button sometimes when there's like big things going on in life or big decisions that need to happen or times when we're really seeking God and yet the pace of life is counterproductive to um, sometimes making good decisions. And so God sometimes brings that pause or causes us to hit that pause button in life to seek Him, to seek His direction I think that Thanksgiving creates that um, kind of on a natural level, but certainly on a spiritual level as well, as we take time to reflect on the things, uh, on the people, on the circumstances in life for which we are grateful. Now, to be sure, like some years are easier to do that than others because life brings its challenges, yet most years... um, are very good, right? Because we pause and we reflect on, um, on the goodness of God. And we're, we're, we just feel that compulsion to say, God, I, I know so many of these things in my life. Like they are directly from you. They are gifts and they draw me back to you. And they are, they are blessings beyond what I deserve, And so I know, God, you are the source of those blessings. And I need personally to thank him for some very specific things in my life for which he's responsible. And I hope you choose to do that again or as well this week. So this morning, I want you to turn with me to Psalm 100. It's page 593 in that Bible in front of you in the chair. So open your Bible, open your Bible app to Psalm 100. Some people have called this the... um, The most comforting and encouraging chapter in the Bible. Now, it's a short psalm of thanksgiving, and we find two truths in it that, for us as Christians, um, can bring joyful celebration for us. Okay? We give reason, or two reasons we give thanks to God. The first is going to tell us the truth is that He is God, and the second, that He is good. Now, Psalm 100, pick up with me in verse 1. It's a short psalm. It says, Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving. And his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. He is God and he is good. And anything less than that divine um, combination is going to fall short as God's people. Um, it, it gives us great comfort and great peace and great hope because He is both God and He is good. Now think about it. If He was uh, something less than these big words we use sometimes to describe Him, omniscient, meaning all-knowing, omnipresent, meaning always present, omnipotent, meaning all-powerful, if He was anything less than that God described in the Bible, okay, He would not have the power or the authority to impart his goodness. He would be subject to some external power because he wouldn't be almighty. And then, if God was God, but he wasn't good, we would all be in a whole heap of trouble. (laughs) Deservedly doomed, if you would, for an eternity without Jesus. But the amazing thing is that he is both almighty God and inherently good. And that's what this psalm is going to lay out for us. So, so let's take the first one, that He is God. Now look with me at verse 3, because I think this is the heart of the psalm. In verse 3 it says, Know that the Lord is good. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. And I think this command is like the focal statement of the whole psalm. Okay? Before this, in verses 1 and 2, we receive three commands okay? to shout, to worship, to come. Afterwards, there are three more commands. Enter, give thanks, and praise. So it makes this command to know the pivot around which the others revolve. The writer almost demands know. That's a, that's a command, know that the Lord is God, and then he explains, it is he who made us, and depending on your version, some of you read like mine, and we are his, some of yours read, and we are not ourselves, okay, both mean the same thing, like I'm amazed at how many people live their lives as if somehow they have created their lives and themselves, they, they, they may give lip service to God, but they do what they want. And they do when they want. And they do it how they want. You know, God challenged Job to consider who made him. Throughout Scripture, we find this this picture painted for us of God being the potter and us being the clay and Him molding us and shaping us and using us. And I I just know, if you've ever watched the potter, you every once in a while just punching us, right? And saying, not exactly working out. Let's start over again. And, And we feel that sometimes, right? Because He is God. And we are not made by ourselves nor for ourselves. He has authority over how He made us and authority over how He uses us. Now, when you stop and think about your life, okay, if you will stop, and Think about your life in the busyness sometimes. Okay, we remember that like our life is being lived on full display before God. There's nothing. Scripture tells us nothing is hidden from Him. God has created you. He has gifted you. He offers to empower you. And if we believe that, and we believe that we're His... It completely revolutionizes the way that we live, realizing that our life is on display. And yet if we just stop there, like he's God and I'm not. (laughs) He's the potter, I'm the clay. He's the boss and I serve him. If we just stop then, stop there, then we fall short of realizing that we're not just some possession of his. We're not just like accountable to produce something. The psalmist also reminds us That we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Like this is personal, like like we're personal. You are personal to God. We follow him as our shepherd. In the Middle East, the shepherd was responsible to give his, his best care for each and every one of his sheep. He made sure they were safe, he made sure they were protected. He made sure that none of the sheep were lost or killed or injured. And in that analogy, David says in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd. David recognized God was his guide. God was his protector. God was his constant companion. Now the command here in verse 3, I, I don't think it's simply a command to acknowledge that God is God. Okay? It calls us to a depth of relationship with God that breeds devotion to him and that brings forth worship of him. And so because he is God, the psalmist is going to say, let's go back to verse 1. Because he is God, he says, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Okay? It's a shout of loyalty and a shout of honor. Have you ever been a bit um, jealous about someone who is like so excited about, or so loyal to, or almost even like in love with something, uh, you know, like a a book, or an author, or an artist, or a a song, maybe a, a movie. Someone's just crazy about like their job, or their team, or their school, maybe their neighborhood, or even their church. Someone who um, they're, they're just like over the top about a parent, about a friend, about a boss, or maybe a mentor, right? And you, and you take a step back from that, and and half of you says, like, I'm not sure what kind of Kool-Aid they're drinking, right? Just <laughs> like, it's just a little bit odd. But isn't the other half of you sometimes almost just like jealous or envious? Because there's maybe nothing in your life that's driving that kind of an excitement. The psalmist says, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Now there's a little bit of an expanded version of this in Psalm 66. The first four verses read like this. Shout for joy to God all the earth. Sing the glory of His name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing the praises of your name. Israel is called to shout for joy to God. Okay? Nothing polite about it. Nothing moderated about it. They are hold nothing back in their praise to God. I think my nature is to be much more like this, you know, than to be super excited or super depressed. All right. So I'm just more that way. But now you put like Christopher on a wrestling match, you know, at, at districts, but whether he's going to go to state or not. All of a sudden I get up here, right? I mean, just for some of you, it might even be obnoxious, but that's okay, right? I mean, it was just so exciting that he was just at that spot. That's the kind of excitement. I think God's talking about here. It was a couple weeks ago, Karen and I went to visit uh, a friend of many of us, Pat Brennan, in the hospital, right? At that point, he was in the hospital before he went into the hospice unit, before he went into Pickle Manor. He passed away this week. But like as we turn the corner in the hospital, you can hear his voice. I mean, it's two hallways away. And I'm thinking those poor nurses that get to hear that all the time. But when you talk to him, what's he talking about? God and His goodness and His faithfulness shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Now, I find that excitement pretty easy on days like last Sunday where God is obviously moving. But if you read verse 1, there are no qualifiers in there. Because He is God, because of His goodness. We praise Him continually. Now he goes on to say in verse 2, Worship or serve, depending on which version you're reading, worship or serve the Lord with gladness. It, it Really, the word that's used combines those two ideas, the idea of worship and the idea of service. They're kind of blurred in the lines of the psalm here and the way he's writing. Uh, think of it like this. Every, every act of worship that we offer to God is an act of service to our master. And every act of service to our master is an act of worship. It makes this connection between praise and lifestyle. For the follower of God, there's no no separation between our public worship and our private character. We're just gods. And it flows from us, this worship, And it flows from us with gladness. But for our praise to be meaningful to God, it's got to be consistent. Like not just on Sundays. And not just on Thanksgiving days. But each day as we praise and worship God, what a privilege it is to serve God. How meaningful to know. Like our lives make a difference in His kingdom. Because He is God, and because He is good, we live a life of devotion to Him. And according to the psalmist, it should be done with gladness. Now again, admittedly, there are seasons when gladness is more difficult than others. Yet perspective allows us to serve Him with gladness. Glad because He created us. Glad because He saved us. Glad because of his constant expression of goodness to us that we find when we, when we pause, when we stop, when we look at the life that he's blessed us with. And then in verse 2, it says, come before him with joyful songs. I think that this talks about more like the relational nature of worship. To only see God as creator... To only see Him as judge, to only see Him as all-powerful would lead us to worship Him, but it would do so with fear and with trembling. But to know that we are His people, the sheep of His pasture, allows us to approach Him with joyful songs because we are in relationship with Him. It's transformational. God turns the act of drawing near to him from terrifying to delightful because he's not just God, like, he's my God. We're in relationship with each other, and there's love that flows in that. And when we capture that, then we understand better the second part of this psalm, the second truth we find in this psalm. Not only is he God, but he is good. Okay? This statement um, of the nature of God, it it drives us to action. So let's take it like we did the first one. You look in verse 5, it says, For the Lord is good, and His love endures forever. His faithfulness through all generations. God not only does good, but He is good. He not only causes all things to work together for the good of those who love Him, as we read in Romans chapter eight, verse twenty-eight, but as Jesus reminds us in Luke chapter eighteen, verse nineteen, He says, "No one is good, except God alone." Right? You know the verse. Remember when Moses, um, when he when he felt so close to God up on Mount Sinai. And he'd been in relationship with God, right? I mean, God came to him in the form of the burning bush, and he pulled them all out of Egypt, and they're wandering in the desert, and he brings them to Sinai, and he's going to give them um, the law. And Moses has just grown closer and closer to God, and Moses wanted to see God. And in Exodus chapter 3 verse 18 Moses says to God, "Now show me your glory." And when God shows up, and God shows him, remember what God showed up? Like he didn't show him his justice. He didn't show him even his holiness. He didn't show him his wrath. He didn't show him his power when you hear the still small voice and you read the next verse in Romans or I'm sorry in Exodus chapter 33 verse 19 it says and i will cause my goodness to pass in front of you the goodness of god that's his glory god's greatest glory is that he is good one writer said this his goodness is an ocean that has no shore A mountain that has no summit and a road that has no end. We often think about God's love like that. We often talk about God's love like that. But think about His goodness, unending. He goes on to say that His love endures forever. Now, we speak about that fairly regularly, so I'm not going to really talk that out this morning except for to remind you that God's love is a steadfast love. It's not a love that's subjected to whims and moods like ours is. God's love for people, it's resolute. It's never failing. It's never ending. And then we find the last part of verse 5. So so encouraging that his faithfulness continues through all generations. Why do we praise God? Because he's faithful. We know that he's good. And we trust that his love endures forever because we have experienced that God is faithful. So if you refuse um, to be sidetracked, by a view of a snapshot of a time in your life when things look confusing, okay? We've all been there. We've all been through times where, where it's overwhelming, where we can't see beyond just what's right in front of us and what's in front of us is not very good, okay? Um, it's, it's, it's a struggle. But if you don't get sidetracked by that, but instead you can center like the panorama of God's work in the world, and in your life over time, you will see and you will know and you will experience the unshakable, resolute, and absolute commitment of God to his people, his faithfulness through all generations, and not all generations, but through your life, through all of your life. So the, co- the psalmist is going to coach us In light of his being God, and especially here in light of his goodness, what does that look like in our life? What should that produce in our life? Go to verse 4 and he says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. It's appropriate for us to express our gratitude to God. And I'm afraid that for too many of us we get so busy and life becomes a blur and so out of focus that we neglect doing so. Now, there are a lot of passages we could go to in the Scriptures that talk about the people of God joyfully praising God or joyfully thanking Him. Okay? And we see this practiced in a lot of different ways. We see it in public. and we read the Scriptures, we see it in private. Okay? We see it with words. And we hear it through song. We see it um, exclaimed like in bold declaration. And don't you also at times just see the faith and the faithfulness of God even coming out of someone's private brokenness? Because he's faithful. And he shows himself faithful even in the darkest of times. But here, in this psalm, like that's not the tone of the psalm. <laughs> the tone is definitely celebratory. It calls for praising His name before people. And the praise is verbal. It's audible. We're to praise God publicly for His goodness. Why? So that the world will hear and will know from us, the people who have lived it, that He is God and that He is good. And then finally, in verse 4, we're commanded, give thanks to Him. And praise His name. Are you thankful for who He is? Are you thankful for what He has done? When Drew led us through that prayer time, was it hard for you to come up with things and people and circumstances to be thankful for? First Chronicles sixteen seven says very simply, "Give thanks to the Lord." Psalm ninety two verse one reminds us, "It is good to give thanks." Even in difficult times, when anxiety is high, we're told, don't be anxious. Paul had these words in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, where he says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Gratitude keeps our attitude focused on God's goodness. Because listen, he's still good when others are bad. He's still good when I'm mad. He's still good when I'm sad. He's still good when I doubt. He's still good when I struggle. So remain thankful regardless of the situation. There was a lady in Virginia. uh, Several years ago, she was uh, attending a dinner at a church with her parents. And it was a Thanksgiving-type dinner, maybe something similar to what we had last Sunday night. And there was a man sitting next to her, but she'd noticed him when he walked in. He, he was dragging his leg behind him. He had one arm that was almost just dangling freely. His speech was slow, and it was slurred. And she'd learned his story. He was a veteran of the Vietnam War. And he was a, a helicopter pilot, and his, his, his chopper took a direct hit. And he was in a coma for months, but for the love of his family and his will to live, uh, he had come out of that coma, coma, and it brought him thus far in his life. And as the, the meal was concluding, the minister stood up and said, let's offer thanks to God, and people would offer thanks for, for their church, for their family, for their friends, for their health. And she noticed as she was sitting next to him that that Fred, the the Vietnam veteran, that his arm went up in the air and and the minister said, Fred, what are you thankful for? And slowly, but deliberately, Fred responded, I'm thankful that I opened my eyes this morning. She wrote later, What an impact that statement had on me. In spite of his disabilities, he was thankful for the life that God had given him. Psalm 100 reminds us indeed that God is good, that he is God. I think it reminds us of the best part, right? That he is mine. It's personal to him. And it can be personal to me. I'm in this personal relationship with God himself. God is my father. Jesus is my Lord. And honestly, life is not always good. But God is good. And though my capacity for these things changes with the challenges of life, when I take time to reflect On the reality of these things, what lives in me and what flows from me is shouting and worship and drawing near to God with joy. A convicting knowledge and a gratitude and a security that comes from knowing that I am loved. Are you thankful? Do you feel loved? Because you are loved. And I want you to know and experience that love more completely. God is waiting to embrace you if you don't know of that love. He's waiting for you to take that step to offer, to accept his offer that can only come through him. It's only understood best through the light, not of anything short of a cross where he gave his life for you so that his goodness could become your goodness, so that his holiness could become your holiness, so that his forever could become your forever. If you would just take that step toward him. I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing. And as we sing, if you want to know more about that, if you want to connect with him, if you still have unfinished business from last week, we'll be in the back. We'd love to talk to you about connecting your life to his life and your eternity to his Eternity. Let's pray together. Father, seasons of gratitude are good because they put our focus where it belongs, on your gifts, on your goodness, on the things you have done in us and the things you have done for us and the things you have done through us. Lord, we are your people, but we are a blessed people and we offer you our gratitude for what you've done and not just for what you've done but for who you are and we embrace that this morning through Jesus amen